I was very clear in my mind that in whichever field Robo has entered, may it be the field of space or may it be the field of engineering or information and technology or whatever, or even medicine in surgery, Robo has been able to secure its unique place and has given a significant value addition to both the operators as well as the patients. Welcome to Shaping the Future of Healthcare from Siemens Healthineers, the podcast where we talk with renowned experts from around the world about the impact they're making on the future of medical technology. Today, Managing Board Member Christoph Sindel interviews Tejas Patel, Chairman and Chief Interventional Cardiologist at Apex Heart Institute in Ahmedabad, Gujarat, India. Dr. Patel is internationally recognized as one of the world's pioneers in his field, making headlines in 2018 by performing the world's first inhuman robotic heart surgery. Dr. Patel, first of all, a very warm welcome to this podcast series and greetings to India. Please call me Christoph, and I know that you allowed me to call you Tejas. So Tejas, it's a great pleasure and a great honor to have you here. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the next uh, minutes to discuss with you the field of robotics for interventional purposes in medicine. Tejas, you are the chairman, chief of interventional cardiology at the Apex Heart Institute in Ahmedabad in India, which I learned is the seventh largest city in India, which is very impressive. I think it's around 300 miles away from Northup, Mumbai, and has a population of 8 million citizens. That's very impressive, uh, teachers. Yeah? So you serve really a broad community in India. Yeah, I would like to start with the first question to you. Yeah, What I've learned is you performed... 100,000 cath lab procedures, which is one of the highest number of procedures performed by any single operator in the world. That's very impressive, I have to say. You did the world's first in-man telerobotic coronary intervention in 2018 from a steering console roughly 20 miles away. So it is also very impressive. Talking on robot-assisted therapy, can you tell us about current areas of application? So where can it be used and what do you think are the advantages of its extended usage? So talking really about rural areas um, or infectious diseases, give us a little overview. How do you see it, please? First of all, uh, thank you very much, Christoph, for having me with you on this very prestigious platform. I am truly honored. As far as uh, robotic PCI is concerned, it is there since some time in the field, and it was moving, taking small steps. But suddenly, you know, the things have become different in the last three, four years. I had an idea of having it at my place since 2016 and 2017. We had it at our place. Mark Toland was quite cooperative, and this was the first installation outside U.S., that is amongst the whole Asia Europe, New Zealand, Australia, and Africa. This was the first installation, yeah. Yeah, this was according to so many of my well-wishers and my friends and cardiology colleagues. 
it was a bit risky proposition that is what they thought but i was very clear in my mind that in whichever field robo has entered may it be the field of space or may it be the field of engineering or information and technology or whatever or even medicine in surgery robo has been able to secure its unique place and has given a significant value addition to both the operators as well as the patients that is the reason why although it was very new at that point of time for the world and for us we we had it this robo installed at my place with the help of uh, my very dear friend joe equilina and at that point time i think matt lame also came and we started program in a very nice way and we became comfortable after a while and then i could realize that uh, you know initially we were doing some simple cases and then we encroached upon the difficult domains multivessels the long lesions some complicated stuff some acute mi and some simple chronic total occlusions and then we also embarked upon the peripheral territory and we started doing renal stenting using the robotics you know i personally feel that more and more of the artificial intelligence is being added you know in this in form of different software now we have this technique new software before that we had only ror but now we have a lot of other things uh, with this technique new soft uh, software and it is becoming more and more easier for us of course we are now under our belt we have more than 500 robotic procedures and uh, but do, for all those who are new you know it can be good it can be very easy to maneuver the things and to do the procedures very nicely as far as this covid time is concerned you know you can see that you can keep safe more than 6 feet distance from the patient and everything is done using robo that that can be a great value addition you can take uh, you know in this type of infective cases also without much of the problem we have just recovered but still they are covid positive and they really need uh, the procedure like acute mi or something very emergent condition distant tele robotic uh, i think as you know that the whole concept evolved when mark toland came uh, in 2018 in month of june at apex art institute he spent time with us while we were on dinner at my home he told that we we are planning uh, this new novel concept of distant telerobotic and we are in the search of some country where the regulations are not much of the problem at that point of time he was thinking of some place like colombia or something and i told why what about apex art institute and what about india as a country and he told that what do you think about all these regulatory permissions and i was very confident that we will get it and i was able to convince uh, by that time actually we were doing individually fastest enrollment as far as the number of patients were concerned and we were comfortable we were able to convince our uh, institutional review board and then indian fda that it dcgi we notified and they also cleared and that is how the things were ready and we did it from a temple campus that is aksharadham which is 32 kilometers away from my place i was sitting there with everything set over there with a, a console and my partner sanjay with my crew was in the cath lab 
and we had a geo reliance uh, bandwidth uh, uh, internet bandwidth of 90 to 100 speed it can even be done with a lesser speed uh, about anything above 50 mbps should be fine to do the case so we kept some five cases proximal lesion distal lesion relatively simple cases and consecutive cases were, were done successfully without much of the problem and first case we threw it open to media who was Sitting, 150 journalists were sitting, all print media, electronic media, just 100 feet away from us in an amphitheater, and they were watching. Dr. Samir Pancholi flew from U.S., so we were both uh, on this side, and he took care of the questions of journalists. And that was a great moment, because this is for the first time, you know, India got an honor of doing something first in human in our field. And I personally take pride for that, yeah. I mean, you are obviously a visionary, but you are also a maker, yeah? I think this is uh, super fascinating, and I can only congratulate you on this first-in-man step, right? Uh, you are right, and uh, India deserves it. I find this very fascinating, yeah? Not only because United Nations is indicating that 50% of the world population has no access to medical care, where the robot can really be of significant help. And it's not only India. Yeah, We talk also Africa and other countries, unfortunately, where we have the situation. But very honestly, I think also in the US or even in Germany, you have rural areas where you can really utilize such a robot and bring expertise to these areas where you would have never expected these experts, right? That's one topic. And you addressed very rightfully, uh, the huge potential because of the COVID infection, where you can keep distance to the maybe infected patients and can still offer them uh, the intervention which they might desperately need. And uh, you can protect yourself and you can protect maybe other stuff. That's really a great vision and already a great technology, I can say, uh, to use for this uh, purpose as well. Yeah, Teach us. Despite the usage of robotics, there is and will still be the need to have some healthcare workers on site. Can you tell us something about current personnel requirements on site? How do you see it in the future with personnel on site? Christoph, this is a great question. I will think of this technology whenever I think I personally feel that this is still a new technology to the cardiology world. And any new technology, it is progressing. I personally feel that we have to make sure the 100% safety to our patients because it is new. And that is the reason why if distant telerobotic things, you know, it evolves and it is going to, and it is going to be in mainstream some, sometime, maybe next few years only requirement of a qualified cardiologist, interventional cardiologist on site in front of the patient should be the rule to start with till when we see absolute comfort that now the things are completely under control and we have enough of sophistication and technology and advancement that even a cardiologist sitting in his office can take care if something goes wrong. In that case, I will think of keeping only the paramedical staff. But like supposing there is an underprivileged area 
500 miles or 1,000 miles away from my place. And if we install a robot there, and we have a distant tele-robotic technology available, hands-on, I will like to keep a cardiologist. Maybe a cardiologist can be a young guy who has some knowledge of taking care of the patient if something goes wrong. But my paramedic staff has to be, again, up-to-date in managing the emergencies. So all have to be, uh, you know, ACLS qualified and the, some basic requirement uh, has to be chalked up. Yeah, this makes very much sense. And uh, I think it's valid for for all the remote technologies at the beginning. I mean, when we um, think about our remote control for the diagnostic modalities like MR and CT, yeah, you also have to have personnel on site, nurses and also medical doctors. But yeah, you can drive the technology further and you can ensure cybersecurity and things like that. And then the more this technology gets mature, the more you can, let's say, relax on the on-site personnel, right? But uh, on the other side, I mean, I would also foresee that um, yeah, the robotic technology, as you describe it, allows, when it's a little bit more mature, less experienced cardiologists to do the interventions they would probably have not done manually, right? You, you mentioned, uh, teachers, uh, quickly artificial intelligence. And what I can imagine is, you know, that you bring in artificial intelligence to help the more difficult procedures, right? And allow, let's say, young doctors or less experienced doctors, you know, with less cases to be successful with the robots and the intervention as well, right? So what I personally, what is artificial intelligence? Christoph, if I think of artificial intelligence, my simplistic approach is it is at a time several hundred brains working and giving input to develop some new software which makes the thing more viable and more easier. So more and more artificial intelligence, if they are being incorporated in Robo, I personally feel that Robo is working with the brains of several hundred cardiologists, which is being operated by another smart brain. So that makes sense to me. And that makes the things simpler, even for a young guy who is recently entering the interventional field. It's then a little bit uh, comparable to an autopilot in an airplane, right? where you also rely on technology to get closer to the runway, right? Uh, in case of fog or other visibility disturbances. So that's, that's really a fascinating thing in the technology. On the other side, since we talk about bringing AI in and so on, the topic of cybersecurity is getting more and more important, right? What are your thoughts on the cybersecurity topic when it's about robot-assisted uh, therapies in the future? Or in other words, what are your wishes to us as a collaboration partner and, and the industry side, let's say, when we develop such things? Uh, what, what is your demand? I think, uh, uh, Christoph, you stole my wish from my heart and my brain. This is the only thing. It's hovering on my head. Uh, cybersecurity, of course, is important particularly when distant tele-robotic technology is in the mainstream and mm -hmm. it is being used in the clinical settings by different cath labs. 
because uh, you know if somebody is working using the internet commands and if uh, that is uh, being interrupted there can be interruption in the procedure but my take on this is different some day the scientists sitting there in the siemens facility and corindus facility are going to fix this problem 100% that you know there is nothing which is not fixable in that area but for the time my wish is that like we have done first proof of the principle you know study of distant telerobotic but it is my immense desire that we should finish proof of principle transcontinental distant telerobotic i mean i sitting in forsham facility doing the cases at apex art institute where my partner dr sanjay and i will make sure that samir pancholi who has been he is a professor uh, in right uh, system in pennsylvania will make him fly to my place and both of them can be there in front of the patient just to make sure that uh, patient safety is not compromised even by 0.001% if some problem happens in giving uh, in internet connection the patient can be immediately shifted to manual pci within 15 to 20 seconds we must finish proof of principle transcontinental study and then publish it what will happen is more and more cardiologists across the globe will have lot of confidence in the technology because that is bringing the technology in absolutely different tier and then they will start adopting to this technology in their cath lab for routine cases that is very very important for this technology at the moment for the progress and propagation of this technology so this is what i feel cyber security is important as far as the clinical settings are concerned but initially as we have already discussed that we are going to keep a cardiologist a trained senior experienced guy just standing in front of the patient patient safety cannot be compromised and it won't be compromised yeah if you say you can switch really in 15 or 20 seconds right i can imagine this is then a smooth transition and the patient has no harm through any interruption right i mean in general cybersecurity is in the healthcare systems currently really to all of our hearts yeah it's uh, getting super important now of course we are using encryption algorithms uh, patient data protection is very important you know that we have also regulations in europe you know which gives us the opportunity to really look into this topic very closely but you are right i mean if you have an interruption of an internet line you need to think and this is really our challenge now going forward in our task to really work on the right safety concepts how can we prevent this maybe the automotive industry when you think about uh, tesla cars or other e cars right uh, they have similar challenges when they think about half or full assisted driving right it's a similar thing where you also need to think what if uh, internet connections uh, are breaking up and so on it's a technical challenge i'm with you it makes perfectly sense to evaluate it further with local professional support and then seeing you know how safe uh, can it be and then we will see in the future you know whether we can really change the paradigm and can rely on the experts transcontinentally as you described it yeah yeah and more moreover christoph 
for doing, uh, you know, the, or for performing this proof of principle transcontinental study, you don't need even 5G. You need 50 to 100 Mbps speed. And I can slow my brain to, to that level to give command to, uh, to use my the sticks. And that is what we have done. Everything we have done sitting at Akshardham at different speeds and the things work very well. Yeah, that's very interesting. I mean, this is, uh, I remember in my home, I have, I guess, 280 megabits per second, at least for the download and 50 for the upload. If you say 80 or something like this would be sufficient, uh, this is also a very important statement because it then does not need a super ramp up of the infrastructure and you can use what is already in place, right? And let me tell you, for all five cases we did, we were able to, the geo internet, that is Reliance Internet, was able to maintain the speed between 90 and 100. And I didn't feel for one second that I am sitting somewhere else and doing the procedure. It was one to one stroke and I could see my wire moving in the direction where I wanted, my balloon and my stand sitting at the place where I wanted. There was no problem at all. This is very good to hear. What comes into my mind is also, I mean, we can also learn from uh, existing robots, right? I mean, they're in surgery. I think the whole thing started pretty much out of the required precision for prostate surgery, right? And uh, we think about companies like Intuitive and so on, Runaut, who made first strides uh, in this field. And I think we can learn also from the others, you know, uh, what has been done so far in order to ensure uh, the uh, cybersecurity when we go into this type of robots now, yeah. Uh, thinking about the future of robotics and medicine, I believe it's a broad field, yeah, not only in intravascular interventions. In which areas, teachers, do you expect the extended use of robotics and why do you believe this? I think now at the moment it has been standardized in coronary revascularization. It is getting standardized almost from type A to type B1 and type B2 lesions and selected type C and selected complicated lesions. Ultimately, and of course, some peripheral applications you can fix uh, iliacs or renal uh, blocks. And then the, some neuro interventions initially to start with to do thrombolysis or whatever. But I can foresee that maybe maximum, maximum in one decade time, I think it is going to cover every single procedure involved, not only in revascularization, but also devascularization from head to toe. This is what is my wish, and I, and I, I don't think that it is unrealistic. It is going to happen. That is what I can see, yes. Yeah, I, I think uh, given what you have done already successfully, it's uh, absolutely conceivable, and I'm sure we will get there, yeah? Um, for us, the next challenge within Corindus will be certainly the neuro intervention. So as you rightfully said, the revascularization or uh, thrombolysis uh, in stroke cases, which has really a huge potential and which is super challenging for interventionalists like, like you and others. Yeah. But I believe this field of robotics, yeah, I mean, we talk now surgical robots, intravascular robots. I'm confident it will get to a broader use in healthcare systems. If you think now, I, I know that first attempts have been made uh, with robots on wards, 
driving literally to the patients, to the infected patients in terms of infectious diseases in general, not only for this pandemic. Yeah, I think it could be really a great technology that you keep distance also for the nurses and so on, right, uh, to keep distance. That's one uh, area. I think also the topic of exoskeletons is uh, some, uh, something which is very intriguing to me because it's also helping the healthcare workers, you know, uh, with heavier loads, you know, moving patients from left to right and so on, which is always, you know, also something, uh, you know, which is a burden, yeah, to the individual. So I think it has really a pretty broad future, the field of robotics uh, in medicine, yeah. And I really look forward to the collaboration with you and driving this field uh, forward, yeah, because there are still many things to do. As you rightfully said, not only uh, in the cybersecurity space, but also in how can we make it it more ergonomic? How can we bring in more automation based on artificial intelligence? The things we have discussed are really very exciting going forward here. Yeah. Allow me a last question, teachers, yeah, for this podcast, yeah, from a, a more private angle, let's say, yeah. What do you do in times of the pandemic? to stay healthy, to, I mean, you come across as a very fit person, right? Very uh, healthy person. What do you do to, to keep healthy? Actually, Christoph, I am doing the same thing what I was doing in last 40 years, since last 40 years. Since I was a child, I used to exercise. My father incorporated, you know, that virtue at that point of time when I was a child and I continued it. And initially, of course, the physical exercise is then properly uh, designed mix of cardio and resistance training. And then before 20 years, I learned yoga in, in extreme detail. One of my anesthetist friend who is a top level yoga guy who taught me initially i used to practice asan and then pranayama and now i am also in advanced yogic practices like the buns and other things including meditation and yoga nidra yoga nidra is something which is very fascinating and that is not only keeping me physically fit but it also keeps me mentally fit in very stressful situations which which we are facing time and again in the cath lab when we are dealing with extremely sick patients. That helps me controlling my catecholamine levels. And uh, I think that is probably helpful to keeping to keep me he healthy. Of course, you know, I have a very simple diet practice. I also sleep for seven hours at least. So it's a very organized life I am living because I, I, I am at the moment I am 57. And I want to do interventions at least till the age of 75. Before that, I don't want to get out of the care. So I am going to be extremely useful to this robot technology because I am not going to retire for sure. No. I was about to say we need you for the collaboration <laughs> going forward. So uh, happy to hear this. Yeah, But uh, no, I mean... Since I also worked in surgery, I recall, yeah, uh, it can be very stressful if you have a bleeding, if you have an unexpected situation. And meditation is probably a great thing to do in order to, yeah, manage the stress level uh, when you do interventions. Yeah? And I mean, yoga in India is, uh, of course, something which sounds very logical to me. 
I have more and more colleagues doing yoga themselves. The more I hear about it, the more I'm getting intrigued about it. So maybe we can do teach us a remote session sometime, right? Yeah, and I you think can so. Teach yeah, me. I, you can but teach you, me. you look very fit, Christoph. <laughs> so you must be. You look like uh, you are a marathon runner. <laughs> uh, in fact, I'm not, but I do some sports, but I don't do yoga, but it's intriguing to me because it's uh, also, you know, not only physical, but I guess also mental training, right? And this uh, is so fascinating to me. Teachers, I really want to thank you sincerely. Uh, uh, first of all, it's so impressive what you are doing in the field of robotics as a leader, as a global leader in this field. And I think we have learned really a lot about the robotic system in intravascular interventions. We are looking forward working with you um, also in the future. I think we have still a lot of things to do in order to get it done, as you described to us. It was a great honor to have you in this uh, podcast and I Wish you now really stay healthy and a big thank you. And uh, hopefully we can meet soon again in person. Thank you very much, Tishas. Thank you. Thank you, Christoph. I have the same here. And it has been uh, an absolute honor for me to be with you on this platform. Looking forward to working with you and keeping uh, this working relationship very healthy and productive as far as this new technology is concerned. Thank you. Thank you very much. Wrapping up today's episode, we've learned about the impressive advancements being made in the field of robotic systems for intravascular interventions. This technology has recently made it possible for heart surgery to be performed remotely, an incredible feat in the convergence of robotics and the healthcare industry. The possibilities for this technology have demonstrated particular promise through the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic, with hands of care allowing medical professionals safe, contactless access to patients. A big thank you to Tejas Patel and to all of our listeners. This has been another episode of Shaping the Future of Healthcare from Siemens Healthineers. Subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts, rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time.